Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10. You know, and as you're turning there, let me, let me give you a quick verse. that God dropped this verse in my heart several years ago, and then he brought this back up again in my spirit. But in, in Proverbs 11, 11, it's a great verse to memorize, but there's a promise in there about a city. The Bible says that a city is built up by the blessings of the upright. A city is built up. Somebody say, built up. Say blessed. Say built up. Say blessed. Now, who has the ability to build up and bless? The Bible says the upright. Turn your neighbor and say, that's you and me. Now, we're not upright. We're not righteous based on what we've done, but based on what God has done for us. You and I have the ability to build up and to bless a city. I think that's why we're here. Healing Place Church, there's something about our mission. There's something about our ministry. There's something about our mantle that tells me we were built for such a time as this. This church in this city, in this community, we were made for this. You and I have the opportunity to build up and bless the city. And there's, there's probably, as I searched my heart and, you know, we adjusted our schedule to be here this Sunday, I felt like it was important for me to be back. And, and, and I wanted to, to walk with you and encourage you. And I feel like God has given me a word for this house to, to put in context and what we're walking through as a community, you know, for, for the month of July, we were trying to do a series on the book of Romans, and, uh, and I just felt like God say, hey, you know, you, you need to make some adjustments. How many of you know that God's purposes are always greater than your plans? And sometimes we have to adjust our plans in order to serve God's purpose. And so I want to talk to you over the next three weeks. And instead of going through Romans, and we'll get to that, you know, as the Lord sees fit. But for the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about this topic from tragedy to turning point, from tragedy to turning point. I, I just think the scripture has a lot to say. There's a lot of, uh, of valuable truth that God has given us in his word to help move us from tragedy to turning point. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. And I want to read to you and, and speak to you out of the passage. And this is a familiar story, but maybe a fresh look at a familiar story called the story of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard this story before? Yes, uh, again and again. I just couldn't get away from it. You know, the Lord kept drawing me back to this passage. This is the story of the kindness and compassion between men who were not supposed to like each other. And I want to give you a little context before we read into it because sometimes we're, we're so familiar with it we miss some of the nuances and, and, and some of the significant uh, pieces of information that really make this story pop. The story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is actually telling this story to a Jew. Now, Jesus himself being a Jew, there was a religious leader that was kind of testing Jesus and putting him on the spot and asking him questions. And, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, 
you know, asking about the commandments, which is the greatest commandment. So Jesus is, is kind of walking this, this religious leader through, and basically the, the guy discovers, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So we ask Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? This is a story that Jesus tells, and many historians believe that it's not some fable or parable that's made up, but it's, it's actual events. Jesus is telling the story of a Samaritan who serves a Jew. Now, here's what you need to know. In that day, in that culture, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. There was a history of hate between, between these two groups of people. There was division socially, and there was division culturally. There was division religiously. And you know what? I think that's the plan of the enemy is to divide us. Can I have a good amen? The devil will do everything he can to divide people because he knows the power of what takes place when people come together in unity. Can I have a better amen? You see, I don't know who your enemies are, but they're not in this room. This is an environment and a place where people of all different backgrounds, all different levels of education, all different experiences, we come together under the banner of Jesus. Now, there are many things that can divide us. But the one thing uniting us is greater than anything that might divide us. Somebody say Jesus. Say Jesus. Now let's do this. In fact, on the count of three, I want you to tell me your name. Shout it out at the top of your lungs. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, my name's Mike. Nice to meet you. How many of you didn't understand a thing anybody said there? See, when we're about ourselves, we create confusion. Now on the count of three, I want you to say Jesus. Wait, I didn't say three. <laughs> Appreciate the excitement there. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Do you see the clarity that's created when we're not about ourselves, but we're about him? You see, in this story, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Just a quick background. The, the, the kingdom of Israel was divided years ago. The God's people were split up years before Christ ever came. In fact, after the reign of King Solomon, the kingdom was divided between northern tribes and southern tribes. There are 12 tribes overall. Ten, ten tribes went to the north. That was Israel. Israel's capital was Samaria. That's where we get Samaritan. Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. There were two tribes that went to the south. And so those in the 722 years before Christ, there was an invasion that took place among Israel, and pagans began to marry some of the Israelis. And so what people from the south felt about people from the north was, wait a second, you're not true to your heritage. You know, you're, you're, you're mixing your religious practices, you're mixing your marriages, and you're inviting all kinds of craziness into, that's not who we are, so they were divided. And there was such division and such hate and such animosity that a Jew would intentionally avoid anything Samaritan. He would travel for miles out of his way just to avoid contact with this group of people. Now, this is a story of two people who, according to culture, were not supposed to get along. But it shows you the power of kindness and what it can do in a relationship. I want you to read this with me in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 30. Jesus replies with this story, and he says, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. And they left him half dead beside the road. 
by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there in the ditch, he crossed to the other side. Somebody say other side. He crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there as well. But he also passed by the other side. Somebody say the other side. I'm so glad that when my life was broke, and busted, and messed up, and confused, and I was lying in a ditch that Jesus didn't see me and pass by the other side. When I couldn't come to Jesus, he came to me. See, the problem, and it's interesting how the priest and the Levite, now let's just bring this into a modern context here. That's like the pastor and the associate pastor. How many of you, question, how many of you, if you were stranded on the side of Airline Highway, and you were just broke down, maybe flat tire, maybe something going on. There's that engine light, check engine light, whatever it is. And you're there on the side of the road, and, and you see Pastor David Ray coming down the road. How many of you would hope that Pastor D.W. Ray would, would, would stop by and help you? You think, oh, great, there's my pastor. There's a friendly face. There's a man of God. What would you think if he just passed by on the other side and said, Lord bless you, I'm praying for you. You know, and think about it. This is the, the pastor and the associate pastor. They see this man in need, and they pass by on the other side. Boy, I think it's quick for us to stop right here and talk about, you know, when people are hurting, our life needs to stop. When somebody is in need, we can't just pass by on the other side. Kindness is what will force you to get involved. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't watch from a distance and say, well, I hope he can figure himself out. Jesus said, no, I'm getting involved. Look at what it says here. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan. I love this about Jesus. Jesus is talking to a Jewish leader, and he's making a despised Samaritan the hero of the story. See, sometimes in our mind, we'll kind of judge people. We'll size people up. We'll form opinions about people. Maybe it was passed down from generations. We don't have any context, but we've just been handed something that we believe without knowing who an individual is. Yet Jesus says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Jesus says, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, what did he feel? Somebody say compassion. He felt compassion for this man. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs any higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. You see, listen, kindness is not simply a one-time event. How many of you know kindness is a spirit? And when we move forward with the spirit of kindness, we follow up with people, and everybody we come in contact with is changed by the power and the spirit of kindness. He says, if, if the bill runs any higher, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36, now Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leader. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Verse 37, the man replied, well, I guess it's the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes, you're right. 
Now go and do the same. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Today I want to talk to you how to move from tragedy to turning point, I think is wrapped up, at least in this story, in one simple word. It's the word kindness. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write a few thoughts down because I want to pull some things from this passage that's going to help us. And for some of us, it may be new information, but for most of us here, it's going to confirm what we know but challenge us to walk in what we already know. The first thing is this. Number one, kindness opens doors. Kindness opens doors. It's amazing. Kindness is a key that unlocks things. Kindness will give you access into people and places that you normally wouldn't. Now, let me tell you what closes doors. Hate. Prejudice. Racism. Anger. Violence. And the enemy is all about closing doors. The enemy wants us to live and hide behind closed doors and from that position judge and criticize something we don't know. But in kindness, we have access into people's hearts and lives. Can I have a good amen? You see, kindness is risky business. Kindness is easy to talk about, but it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult to walk in. Are you with me? How many's ever had trouble being kind to someone? How many's ever wanted to buy a sword and name it kindness and just kill people with kindness? <laughs> and we come into church on Sunday and then, oh, let's all be kind and sweet and then go home and fight, fight and fuss with our family. Come on now. <laughs> kindness is risky business. Now think about it. Why did the priest, why did the Levite look at the man in need yet choose to walk by? Maybe it was inconvenient. Maybe they had a schedule. Oh, I got to get to church. I, I, I got to get to church. I, I got to go have church. Listen, God's much more interested in us being the church than in us having church. Oh, come on now. You can shout me better than that. I'm tired of just having church. Tired of just the ritual or the routine. God's empowered us to be the church. And I think the church is best expressed not in a building but out on the streets. You see, the priest and the Levite thought they were going to the temple to keep their appointment with God. But they didn't realize that God was disguised as this poor, broken, busted down Jewish man that was lying in a ditch. You want to see God or experience the supernatural? Don't walk to the other side. Get in the ditch with somebody that's hurting. Why these men didn't do that? I think perhaps they were afraid. I mean, consider this. What had happened to that man, those criminals, those bandits that had done this to the man, maybe they were still at large. Maybe they, they, they were out there. They, and the, the pastor, the, the priest is thinking, man, what's going to happen to me if I stop? Can I tell you? Kindness doesn't think what's going to happen to me. Kindness's first thought is, what's going to happen to him if I don't? You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't think, what's going to happen to me if I die? He said, what's going to happen to all of you if I don't? You see, it's kindness that compels us to step out of what's comfortable and to take risk, to reach into somebody else's pain. Notice that the good Samaritan, when he stopped, the scripture never records him saying a word. There's no dialogue between the man in the ditch and the Samaritan that stops to give him care. 
And that tells me this, what we say is not as important as what we do. And now our words are important, but I think long gone are the days of rhetoric. We need no more rhetoric. We don't need political banter. What we need are men and women who are motivated by a love for Jesus to serve hurting humanity that will roll up their sleeves just like you did all week, just like you did all day yesterday to serve and help others. I mean, you realize what we did yesterday? A bottle of water and it opened a door. A pack of gum. Come on, somebody. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Turn your neighbor and say, peanut butter, jelly time. <laughs> you know you were thinking that. You know you were thinking it. Something natural can unlock a door into the spiritual. You see, kindness opens doors. The second thing I want you to notice is this. Not only does kindness open doors, but number two, kindness will bring people together. You see, what happens when a door is open? And the enemy wants doors to be closed. And for years, for decades in this community, doors have been shut. And now I sense by the, by the sovereignty of God, he's opening doors and he's saying to the church, walk through these doors. When a door is open, God will give you the strength and the courage to walk through it. And this at probably no greater time in history than now to be alive and living in this city and connected to what God is doing through the church. Doors are wide open. Do you know, seven months ago, and I meet with a group of pastors in this community, and we've been doing it for years. Uh, we have the last Tuesday of every month, we have breakfast together. It's a time of fellowship. It's where we visit. We build relationship. We encourage one another. And about seven months ago, we came together and had an idea, what would, what would happen if we didn't just fellowship and meet together, but what if we mobilized and we did something in our city together? And so we came up with a date, July 23rd. This was seven months ago. We had no knowledge of what the climate would be in our community now. But how many of you know God will always give the answer before the problem shows up? Some of you got a problem right now. I'm telling you, he's already given you the answer. You see, that's the sign of a good teacher. He's not going to test you over something you don't know. Somewhere in your experience, in the scripture, in a relationship, God has deposited the answer in you for the problem that's in front of you. And so seven months ago, it's amazing how God was already mobilizing the faith community to be in position to walk through a door. Kindness will open doors, but then it, it brings people together. How many of you were here this past Wednesday for that citywide prayer meeting that we had? Was the environment not electric? Could you not just taste the presence of God? We had so many churches come together and collaborate right here in this environment. I want to tell you, it was an honor for us to be able to host that experience where black pastors stood next to white pastors, stood next to Hispanic pastors, stood next to Asian pastors, and we prayed the purposes of God over our city, and we lifted up the name of Jesus. You know, perhaps one of my, my favorite moments in that citywide prayer, prayer meeting was when we received communion together. And we, we took the bread and the cup and recognized the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Do you know that through online media, over 33,000 people joined us for that? 33,000. 
Come on, somebody say open doors. You see, kindness will open doors and bring people together. And, and so we received communion, and it was interesting because we heard from an individual in Oklahoma. They said, I'm in a hotel room right now in Oklahoma, and I'm worshiping God, and the presence of God is here in my hotel room. I'm taking communion with you. I have no elements, but I'm using M&Ms and root beer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> But what was happening in that moment? The body of Christ was coming together. Somebody say, together we're better. Now, you're one individual, and you can do a lot, but when you come together with the body of Christ, you can do infinitely more than you could ever do by yourself. You know, two weeks ago, I, I called my, my friend Bishop Charles Wallace, Oasis Christian Church, great man of God, and I just felt led by the Spirit to reach out to him. And I said, Bishop, I, I called, this was two weeks ago. Bishop, would you, would you check your schedule and, and see if you can come preach for me? We, we're doing a first Wednesday service in August. And I just feel like, you know, you and I have a great friendship, a great relationship. We walk in unity. Our churches need to see that. Would you come preach for me the, the, the first Wednesday in August? Would you just check your schedule and see if you're available? He said, I don't have to check my schedule. The Spirit of God is telling me to come. I'll be there. And I was like, wow. He said, and if you're okay, I'll just cancel my service, and all of us from Oasis will come and have church with you. I said, well, if you're going to cancel your church and come be with us, we're going to throw a party. Would you let us cook for you, and we'll have a little old-school dinner on the grounds and just be together. We'll, we'll worship together, and then we'll break bread together. Come on. How many of you know we can't expect our city to be united if our churches are divided? You see, hope and healing is within the hands of the church. And kindness will open a door, but then we've got to walk through those doors that God's opening. It was amazing to me, and what a privilege to be able, Desha, what a privilege to be able to serve your family on Friday. And I want you to know, it was one of my greatest honors to be able to, to minister to your family. But it wasn't just me. Collectively, our community came together. And you know, what touched me, it, 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 there are some moments in life that will mark you forever. I'm going to tell you, Friday was one of those for me. And we walked out of this church, bagpipes led us, and I followed those bagpipes, and then that whole entourage behind me, and when we walked out of this building, we got in that motorcade, and we, we drove over to Zachary, and the streets of our city, and you saw it. You, saw, you probably saw it on TV or saw it on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, multiplied thousands of people standing on the side of the road, some of them waving flags, some of them saluting, many of them in tears, out of love and respect. I'm telling you, the life of one man touched all of us. And we were able to come together in that moment. I'm telling you, I, I cried the whole way to the graveside. I could barely see the road because I'm wiping tears from my eyes. I felt God opening a door and drawing a whole city together. I'm telling you, kindness 
brings people together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to get together. There's something irresistible about kindness. It draws us. Let me tell you, kindness is more than just an event. It's more than just an act. It's a spirit that's got to move us as a church each and every day. And everybody we come in contact with, it changes. The third thing I want you to see is this. Not only does kindness open doors and bring people together, but number three, kindness heals broken lives. There's something medicinal about kindness. There's a healing balm in, in gentleness and care and compassion. You know, those of you like me that have, have seen some of the episodes in our community and the, the anger and the animosity that is just spilled onto the streets, you know what I'm, I'm learning? Where there's heat, there's hurt. And a lot of people saying things and doing things and, and angry and upset. And I'm, I'm realizing that all of that is just symptomatic. There's wounds. If you could peel back the layers of all the anger, there's wounds that have yet to be healed. And kindness is a medicine. There's a healing balm in kindness. Just like that, that good Samaritan, he poured in the oil and the wine and the bandages and he cared for the man in the ditch. That act of kindness was bringing healing. And if there's ever a time when our city has needed healing, it is now. And God has called us to be the body of Christ, agents of healing in a, in a city that's hurting. And God's saying, if you'll just be who I've called you to be, then I can do what I've always wanted to do. Kindness will bring healing. I talked to a friend of mine. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And I asked him, I said, is it true that when a broken bone heals, it grows back stronger than before? He said, yes. He said, in that very place of fracture and brokenness, if the bones can align and there's stability and a healthy blood supply, that bone will grow back in that spot even stronger than it was before. And if it's true in the natural, I believe it's true in the spirit. I think that our city, as broken and as divided as we have been, if we'll call out to God for healing, he'll heal us everywhere we hurt. And where he's healed us, there will be strength that will be right there at that very point of weakness that was broken and fractured, then we'll be stronger than we were before. Romans says it this way, Romans 2, verse 4. Paul said, don't you see, don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to what? Turn you from your sin. You see, when I was lost, when I was an enemy of the cross, when I was living selfishly and recklessly and rebelliously and stubbornly, the loving kindness of God stepped in. And it's that kindness that begin to draw me and lead me to repentance. I think there's a healing that's taking place in our city. And it's going to be through ambassadors, men and women, who walk in that spirit of kindness. Just one kind word. Just one act of service and love. Notice me. 
Notice me. I think our city, those that are hurting, lying in a ditch, they say, notice my pain. Please stop your schedule. Adjust your life. See that I'm here. And if we'll go to the ditch, we'll experience the healing of God. Let me give you this final thought, and I want to pray over you. Ask the band to come up. Kindness opens doors. It, It draws people together. It heals. But the last thing... And perhaps one of my favorite things, here's what I sense God doing even now in our church and in this community. Kindness is contagious. There's something about kindness that just, it spreads. When you've been the recipient of kindness, it motivates you to give it, doesn't it? When you've received, when you've been on the receiving end of somebody else's generosity or goodwill, it opens up your heart, it does something with your mind and your spirit, and then it, it, your thought is, well, wait a second, there, there's something that I can do. What, what can I do? How many of you have ever been to lunch, maybe with a friend, and you, you ask the waiter, the waitress, okay, bring, bring the bill, we're ready, and they tell you, your meal's already been covered. How many's ever had that happen to you? How does that make you feel? <laughs> what? <laughs> who, who did that? Are you? What? Oh, no, 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 no. But please, no, no. Let me pay. Who, who covered my meal? Did you do that? God, I didn't do that. Wow. It's a humbling thing, isn't it? You almost feel like, oh, no, no. Let, let me do something. Well, if they paid for my meal, how many have ever been through the drive-thru and by the time you pulled up, they say, well, the car in front of you covered your coffee. Are them waffle fries that you would just, I mean, slobbering over, Polynesian sauce and waffle fries. Somebody paid for that already and you're like, okay, well then use this to pay for the person behind me. See, when you receive kindness, you want to give kindness. You come home and your neighbors cut your grass. You're like, are you kidding me? What did I do to deserve it? And listen, kindness is not based on what anything that you've done, but it's based on what he's done. It's based on what God has done for you. Kindness just spreads. And I believe that there's a movement. Listen to me. Kindness is more than a moment. God's wanting to start a movement. Our churches need to continue to come together. The love and respect that we show on the streets and in the restaurants and at the gas station, at the grocery store, in the neighborhood, that doesn't just stop this week. That's the spirit we move forward in. God says, I want this to spread like a wildfire all throughout this community. And if we'll walk in that spirit, God brings healing. We see miracles. We see relationships being restored. And the power of a church, the power of a city united under the name of Jesus. When Joseph was just a boy, he had dreams. His brothers hated him for those dreams, despised him. In fact, they made a plan. Let's kill him. They're away. They see Joseph coming. They go to kill him, but no, we think better. Let's just throw him in this pit. Joseph's down in the bottom of that pit and he's listening to everything that his brothers are saying. You know what? Let's make some money off of him. They sell him as a slave to some Ishmaelite traders that are headed 
down to Egypt. Once Joseph gets to Egypt, he's sold into Potiphar's house. He's a servant into Potiphar's house. And you know what happens there. He's framed. He's falsely accused. Now he's thrown into prison. He goes from pit to Potiphar's house to prison in his lowest moments. But then Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody could tell him the meaning of it. Wait a second. There's a Hebrew boy in prison. Joseph, come up. Joseph interprets the dream. Now he goes from prison to the prime minister of Egypt. Once you see this process now, watch this. Watch where I'm going. Now he's the second in command. Nobody more powerful other than Pharaoh, except for Joseph. There's a famine in the land. Guess who comes and stands before Joseph? Hmm. My, my, my. Brothers. Oh. Well, what do we have here? Now, all of a sudden, you're at my mercy. I'm telling you, if there was ever a time that Joseph could have taken revenge, it was at that moment. Logic, circumstances, emotions, they all said the same thing. But you know what kindness said? No, 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 no. Do I feel the Holy Spirit in here right now? You see, some of you need to reach a place where you decide that what Jesus has done for you is greater than what anybody else has done to you. You need to make that decision right now. God, what you've done for me is greater than what she did to me. God, what you did for me is greater than what he's trying to do to me. And so Joseph, there in front of his brothers, he looked at his brothers, and this is what he said. In Genesis 50, he says, what you intended to harm me, what you tried to do to destroy me, listen, God meant it all for good. In fact, God brought me to this position so that I could save you and the lives of so many people. I want to tell you, when you've received the kindness of God, you can give it even when it doesn't make sense. Can I have a good amen? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.